You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. Our great God, we do thank you for the gifts that you've given us, for showering us with abundance and kindness and grace. We are grateful and we give you um, praise and thanks. Lord, as we turn to your word now, we ask that you would be present by your spirit to lead us as we study, as we examine, and as we hear and respond to your message. Work in our hearts, Lord. Work life and grace and transformation. We look to you now through Jesus our Savior. Amen. Please be seated. Today we're in our second week of our summer sermon series Practicing the Good Life, an Invitation to Abundance. And we hope that this will be a fantastic opportunity to sort of re-examine how we understand the good life. Jesus gave us, uh, um, gives us a good uh, reframing of that through uh, God's Word to redefine how we get the good life and how we experience it. It's a gift that God gives freely. And so as we talk about practices uh, throughout the summer, it's going to be an important repeated theme that you'll hear, that it's not just something we do or we practice, but it's something we first receive, um, a free gift, and then practice and express. Today, our focus is on one of the most important aspects of that gift that God gives us, um, the invitation to worship. And so as we explore that today, let's hear the scripture reading uh, Juan Ladon is reading for us this morning. Good morning, third family. This morning's reading is from Psalm 95, and I'll be reading it in the NIV version. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is our great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning we're going to see that God invites us into worship, which is at the very center of the good life. And I'm confident that as we study this this morning, you're going to see that that's a great, great invitation 
uh, that God gives us, and you're going to want to respond yes. Well, not all invitations are like that. A few years ago, uh, I went to a New Year's Day uh, celebration that was hosted by uh, uh, the woman who had sold, helped me uh, buy my first house up in Northern Virginia. And her husband was uh, from a Jewish background. So the fair at this New Year's Day celebration was a very traditional Jewish meal. And I didn't know what I was getting into till I went, but uh, pretty much, you know, the buffet spread was mostly cold fish and um, lots of cold fish. Um, and even the eggs, which I did like, um, I'm, I'm really not a fan of fish, especially if it smells and tastes like fish. Um, <laughs> even the eggs, which I do enjoy, were filled with locks and tasted more like locks than they did eggs. So um, when I got to the table uh, with this meal, I really struggled. Uh, but the real big problem was this uh, specialty dish, which was right to the right hand uh, side. And uh, I was sitting right near the host. Uh, the husband who was from this background, and he was very excited to see everyone delight in this wonderful dish that he prepared. It was gefilte fish. Again, cold, dead fish. Um, I struggled through this meal uh, just trying not to gag. Um, and I basically survived by uh, taking small bites, uh, dousing that with water and bread. Uh, and I tried my best to not insult my host. <laughs> but I tell you, that invitation was one I made sure I was not going to get next year. I made sure I had activities that I had planned on New Year's Day the following year. Well, this invitation to worship is not at all like that. God invites us into a rich, joy-filled relationship with Him. The invitation to worship is an invitation to joy, to celebration. Look at the astounding things we're invited into in this psalm. Joyful singing that elevates into loud, exuberant shouting in verse 1. Verse 2 expresses heartfelt thanks to God and actually uses the phrase that we extol Him or magnify Him. And that basically means that you find more and more words and more and more emotional expression to, to say and express how good, how great, how amazing God is. And you keep adding to those expressions uh, to extol God. The essence of worship, if we correctly understand it, is just a joyful celebration. Well, why is it so exuberant? Why is it so joy-filled? Well, first of all, it's because the one con we're connecting with is the one who is in control of all things. The psalm describes him as king over all. He's in control of the most powerful, uncontrollable forces on the earth, the great mountains that um, stand uh, in, in great stature over us that are tough to manage if you're in them. Uh, the great seas, which are that uncontrollable chaos that uh, we, um, when we brave them, we have great fear often. And then the depths of the earth, the unknown, the uncertainty things uh, that are uh, present in, in life and experience. And those are examples or ex expressions of those ways in which we don't have control over our own world. And they're things that scare and frighten us uh, that we don't uh, have the ability to manage. And if we today would say, well, I, I certainly feel a certain powerlessness for the forces which seem to be bringing a lot of activity and events into my life right now that I have no control over, but I really don't think are healthful and they're harmful directions. Um, there are ways in which our own best intentions fall very, very far short of what we long for. 
When we want to connect with the God of the universe, uh, we are connecting with the one who is all-powerful. That in the midst of difficulty and trial and storm and illness and hardship and uncertainty, he is the one who is in control. He loves us. He's more than just uh, the king over all the earth. The psalm describes him as their shepherd, the one who tenderly cares for his flock and makes sure that they don't get lost, that they aren't in danger. He safely and securely cares for them. That's the God that we worship. And that's an incredibly good thing. It's a joy to be able to worship a God who is going to be with us in pain, difficulty, struggle, confusion, and uncertainty. Well, secondly, we're connecting with a God who is the one who delivers us from bondage. The verse one describes him as the rock of our salvation. And just think of the ways that he delivers us. We just sang about the incredible gift that it is to have one who is the, um, the sinless savior who died in our place to look on him, the, ju- the God, the just one uh, looks on him and pardons us the forgiveness from our sins and all that is broken in us, to have that, um, to pay, that debt paid and to have ourselves freed from that uh, shame and guilt so that we're able to be fully accepted by God and loved by Him. And more than that, He's delivered us from patterns of uh, destructive ways of living. He's delivering us from places that uh, keep us in that pattern that uh, brings uh, negative things into our lives. As uh, the, the psalm puts it, In verse 3, it's the gods, the idols of this world that he is king and lord over as well. And he delivers us from uh, the wrong affection and attention to those idols. Jesus invites us into a worship where we freely celebrate the ways that he set us free. He's delivered us from things that put us into bondage, from, from shame and from guilt and from those dark places in our lives. One of those key areas that God keeps delivering me, uh, in my own experience, is from perfectionism. Um, It was very present this week as I worked on this sermon. Um, I work doubly hard because I'm a perfectionist, and perhaps for you perfectionists out there in the uh, audience, you can uh, relate to what I'm saying. But I'm never satisfied with the work. I always keep uh, wanting to work harder and more. It's never done. Uh, sometimes it's uh, two, two experiences I usually have. One is it sometimes immobilizes me. I don't uh, know where else to go because I've worked on it and worked on it and I don't know where I'm going. Uh, and then the second direction that uh, it often takes me is uh, feeling like I'm never going to get finished and it just stinks. Um, so uh, it was very ironic. And in the midst of that, I felt like God met me a little bit in a fresh way this week. Uh, to deal with delivering me from this particular idol in my own life. The irony of working on delivering a message that's all about joyful celebration in being uh, in a rich relationship with Jesus while I'm in this midst of drudgery and difficulty uh, putting this message together uh, really was not lost on me. Uh, And I really began to hear uh, and talk with the Lord about uh, what I was experiencing and how I was living and how I was working. Um, And I began to hear uh, a different voice. Ed, you're invited into celebration and joy, not drudgery. God loves you. He's in control. His word never goes forth without accomplishing what it desires, right? He's at work within you, within this congregation. He's in our midst, and you can rest in that. God was inviting me into a place of freedom and rest, 
And that is what he offers us in the invitation to worship. That as he uh, delivers that message, he's drawing us into a relationship with the God who loves and cares for us, who has delivered us from those broken places in our lives so that we might experience release, freedom, and a sense of joy and uh, thankfulness. So how does this work? Last Sunday, Corey gave us some important ways of understanding these practices that we're focusing on uh, each week. There are two aspects of really uh, entering into these practices, and uh, one of those ways is by practicing, right? But before you get to that, last week, Corey urged us that you have to first receive. You have to first grasp something that God has already done. And that was my experience this week, uh, to really experience God's loving care, his careful shepherding presence uh, makes a huge difference in how we live and how we work and how we relate to one another. So receiving, first, we receive God's invitation into a relationship with him that he's already given to us by grace. Um, We don't have to earn it. We don't have to work to make it happen. It's something Jesus has done by coming. He initiates the relationship. He comes to us and draws us in. He is an inviter. He is a seeker of those that he loves. Worship is drawn from the the word worship. And so first and foremost, we receive just an apprehension of who God is. We begin to just grasp his goodness, his love, his care, his work of delivering us and freeing us. And worship starts always by receiving, seeing, grasping the truth and reality about God. And it's only when we have received that we then, and really often we shouldn't proceed to practice until we've received, because it's going to be a a, a wrong practice. It's going to be uh, work ourselves, trying to earn something, trying to get something. But when we practice because we've experienced and seen and grasped the goodness and love of the Lord, we express that in celebration and joy. Our practice of worship is one of joy and celebration. The deeper we apprehend, that we grasp his deliverance, his setting us free, his uh, shepherding care over us, the more we will be full of joy and celebration, of thanks and uh, joy. Another way that uh, this psalm tells us to to sort of put ourselves into the disposition of receiving and then practicing is uh, through the phrase that is used, kneel and bow down. So it's not just meant to be uh, a metaphor here in the passage. It really is talking about uh, the stance of our lives and the stance of our bodies towards God himself. That when I kneel, when I bow, when I uh, lift my arms to receive, uh, I am in a posture of saying, I got, I'm desperate to receive something from you, Lord. I'm looking to you, Lord. I'm trying to, to connect with you and receive what you have done and what you have given to me. We're also acknowledging that we are lost, straying sheep, that we are the, the sheep under his care, and we need him, that we are powerless without him. So that even uh, just to encourage us that we might make great use in terms of practice uh, the, to use our bodies to actually put ourselves in the, in the position of receiving. The cycle of receiving and practicing really does feed on itself. The more I apprehend who God is and what he's done for me, then I'm lifted in my heart to praise him. And as I do that work, uh, that practice of praising him, I'm often going to see new and fresh things about who he is and how good he is. 
You may have experienced it even this morning that just the practice of singing a song then draws you in more fully to the experience of apprehending how good God is, how much he loves you, how much he's delivered you. And your praise then uh, apprehending God afresh is elevated to another level. Uh, It continues to cycle to feed itself. And last, uh, just to say that worship changes us. As we're drawn deeper into uh, the apprehension of who God is and what he's done for us, it changes who we are. It changes the way we see the world and the way that we want to live in the world. It reframes our whole life. I could do a whole sermon on this, but we don't have time for that. Uh, So let me just uh, sum up what we've been saying with this quote from John Piper, which I think captures uh, what I'm trying to express. The inner essence of worship is to know God truly and then respond from the heart to that knowledge by valuing God, treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God, being satisfied with God above all earthly things. And then that deep, restful, joyful satisfaction in God overflows in demonstrable acts of praise from our lips and demonstrable acts of love, serving others for the sake of Christ. Hear God's invitation into rich, joyful, joy-filled relationship with Him. The second thing that God wants us to see in this passage is that um, God warns us not to miss experiencing this restful fulfillment. Today, if you would hear my voice, don't harden your hearts as you did at Meribah and Massah in the wilderness. This is an urgent plea from God who loves us. God wants us to experience the fullness of the rest and the gift that he's giving us and his invitation to worship. And we face this choice every day, every moment actually, and that choice is pretty significant. The consequences of how we make that choice matter. Deuteronomy puts it this way, I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. God is urging us to respond to his invitation because it is life-giving. Massa and Meribah are places where God's people had their hearts, hearts hardened toward God. Uh, they needed water and they didn't look to God for water. Um, and so the whole encounter that is addressed in this passage is that encounter of a hard heart who is not going to look to God to supply the very needs that they had. And God's concern in, those, uh, in that the event was not just over some small disobedience, but his concern was over their heart, inclined and going astray constantly, a heart that was hardened towards him, a heart that wouldn't incline itself towards him. God wants to soften our hearts. He wants us to be drawn into relationship and trust with him. Jeremiah describes the cost of missing this invitation to worship this way. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to dig for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. It's a pretty stark, I love this confrontation with my own heart because it tells me how much I am prone to try to seek out some way to satisfy life without God, apart from God. And I do it all the time. And yet that place that I take myself is a place of emptiness. Now our historic tendency is Uh, to want to say to ourselves, I've got to supply my own needs. I've got to look out for myself. I've got to make sure that what I need is provided. 
And it leads us to a hard heart. It leads us to a distant disposition towards the Lord. Our problem is that we can't supply that need ourselves. We are dependent creatures. We are needy people. And so the fact is, you'll always look to something else, to someone else, to provide the need rather than God who is the one who knows you. He's your maker. He is the one who is your provider and your shepherd. And uh, we will uh, constantly be in need again. We would rather... um, sometimes dig on the scraps that we can sort of supply for ourselves rather than dine at the feast that God keeps offering us. This invitation in this passage and the, the warning that's given here is a, a, an encouragement uh, to, to seize the image that the psalmist is using. And he uses the image of creation and the promised land when he talks about this rest That's what he's referring to. The rest that was true at creation, the rest that's true in the promised land, and the rest that we're looking forward to at the restoration of all things. Uh, If you want to read some more about this today, there are two chapters in Hebrews that dig into this in a deeper way, uh, using this psalm and repeating it uh, regularly. First, let's think about creation. God, when he created the heavens and the earth and he made man and woman and put them in the garden, he had given them everything they needed Everything was provided. Nothing was left out. And there was rich communion and relationship with God. Everything was good. And what was the first day of creation after man and woman were created? Six days, man and woman were created on the sixth day. What was the seventh day about? It was Sabbath. It was rest. And this should say something profound to us from the the shadow of of looking back to creation about our priorities and about how we should see our life that we need desperately first to receive all that God has given, to see God as the supplier and to celebrate that and enjoy his presence. That is the the essence of the first work that they were to do. Man and woman were given this incredible job, right? Uh, To be exercising dominion over the whole earth And they didn't race to do it on day one. They raced to be resting in the presence of God who had supplied it all. The same is true of the promised land, that God had made the promise that he would take Israel into this new land that was flowing with milk and honey, a place where every person would sit under his vine and his fig tree. They would have the completeness of everything that's necessary for the good life, everything supplied, and freedom from enemies. There would be peace and rest in the promised land. That's the the promise that was given that they are resisting with hard hearts. And that is the same is true uh, of what we long for in uh, the the final day when God uh, renews the heavens and the earth. Each of these mirror the provision of God, his protection and the safety that we have in his presence, the fulfillment and rest that we would have without fear and anxiety, That is what he's offering us. That is what he's saying to us. Don't miss out on this. And that full and final rest we will certainly have in the days to come. But the reality is that today, if you hear his voice, you can experience rest. You can experience his shepherding presence caring for you. You can experience his deliverance for you right now, today. It'll be full when the the, the last day of consummation comes, but right now you can experience it richly. 
Jesus presents two paths before us when he offers abundant life. Uh, this passage from John 10 uh, was read last week. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have that to the full. Jesus' invitations being uh, counterfeited or countermanded by Satan, by our enemy. And he wants us to believe that somewhere else is the better place to look for the things that we need. But it's only going to lead, if we listen to his voice, it will only lead to loss of something that is already given to us by God. It's already ours, and he wants us to just abandon it, uh, to go wanting. And it's going to lead us down a path that's full of destruction and ultimately leads to death. To whose invitation will we listen? Where, whose voice will we hear? The one that wants to uh, offer joyful celebration or the one who wants to lead us to destruction? It's like my New Year's Day choice. Gefilte fish or steak? <laughs> well, God lastly calls us to respond in worship now. God's invitation to worship is so central to the way that he's made us. We were made for a, a, a relationship of close and intimacy with God closeness and intimacy with God. We're worshiping creatures, and we're going to worship one way or another. Um, in fact, you can look back at the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments out of the ten are all about worship. It's that central that we need to hear His voice inviting us into relationship, into that place of receiving and then expressing back to Him our worship. The end of verse, verse 7 urges us to act now, today, if you hear His voice. The implication is that if we don't act, we're going to miss out. We're going to uh, not respond to the invitation. So just a couple of practical things, since the stakes are so high. Um, given our tendency, don't wait. That's the first application. Let's not wait. Let's set up a way to answer that invitation, to respond to it, and to um, enter into that worshiping relationship with God. And I just have two uh, brief suggestions for us this morning. The first has to do with corporate worship. Uh, it's great that all of us are gathered, whether online or whether we're here for worship. God is with us and he's here in, um, in our midst. And there's something that is uh, quite an intangible about being together in worship. And I want to suggest there's something incredibly important about in-person worship, that when we are together there's a way in which uh, there's an encouragement and a support and a stimulation of one another's life and faith. Our ability to glimpse and to encounter the Lord is enhanced. It's intangible. I can't prove it to you, but I think many of you have experienced it. Uh, how about those days when you come to worship and you're pretty dull? You're not really that excited to be there. Uh, you're having a hard time entering into worship, but you see somebody over there or over there who's just full of worship. And the expression that they're giving somehow breaks through to your heart. And you know that that's where you want to be too. And it helps lift your spirit. It helps lift your heart. Or you just come and you're in a bad place. And you end up by the end of the service finding yourself somehow released from whatever anger there was before, whatever dis disappointment there was before. Being in God's presence, in the presence of God's people, encourages, it uplifts, it redirects our focus, and it's a help. It's an intangible, I know, but it's so important for all of us. So just come. <laughs> come as you are. Come uh, upset, come angry, come frustrated, disappointed, 
Uh, you may be having a tough time with your uh, spouse or your kids or whatever. Just show up and be here and have God's grace and his spirit's presence minister to your heart and lift your soul. Secondly, personal worship. Um, many of us know about uh, what's called the quiet time, which is trying to have a daily time. Many of us have found that there's a particular time you need to set aside to do that. I want to strongly encourage that. Um, I, my time is if I don't do it in the morning, I won't do it. Um, it's hard to set aside time. Uh, that's an important one. But we have been, uh, these past two weeks, as we've gotten started, really import, uh, emphasizing brief moments throughout the day. And I want to uh, just seize on one other recommendation related to the idea that Corey mentioned last week, the one-minute pause. Um, this week, if you've looked at our website, uh, you found the uh, suggestions for how to use that one-minute pause, and we'll put them up here on the screen briefly. Uh, just three simple ways to um, use that one-minute pause as you uh, commune with the Lord. And the idea of the one-minute pause is, again, is to take some moments throughout the day. Maybe it's before lunch. Maybe it's after lunch. Maybe it's before you uh, leave your office or your office at home to go to be with your family, uh, just to pause. And then maybe just before you go to bed, to use that moment to respond to God's invitation and to plan it into your day so that you just take that one minute to engage with the Lord. Well, I'm going to give you another uh, set of um, uh, tools that you can use. This is a, a, a set of um, prayers that we use in our um, midday worship as a staff when we meet. Um, and first, just start with a scripture verse that helps encourage you into the invitation that God has given us. Uh, this idea of um, connecting ourselves to the vine um, as a branch so that we receive the nourishment that we have, um, that God offers us. And then a second uh, prayer would be to look to the gracious God and just acknowledge his intimate presence. Acknowledge that he wants relationship with you, that he wants to give you abundant life and be richly present to you, to apprehend God in a unique way. The next one is just to uh, really focus on the things that are behind and before us and to thank God for all of those things and uh, the tasks that he's given us that day. In a way, it's to take your work and the things that you're occupying yourself with that day and to bring all that into God's presence and ask for a dependent relationship with him, that you walk together with him in it. Then the next one is really just a time of confession, just to ask the forgiving God to meet you, to soften your heart and to draw you into um, trust and, and dependence rather than living as an independent person. The last one is uh, to look to the shepherding God for what's ahead of you, that you would abide and relate to him in a position of trust and dependence, and then ending with praise. So that's going to be up on the website again this week as another tool that you can use. God is inviting us into rich, deep relationship with him, who alone can provide for what we need. Listen to his voice and don't delay responding to his invitation. It leads to joy, celebration, and life. We're going to get to enter into that here at this table. This table is for all of us who want to enter into that response to the invitation. He's saying, come. And maybe this is the first time for you as you come to this Lord's table that you want that relationship. Uh, that's really responding to that great invitation that he's given us. To commune with the one who has brought deliverance uh, this 
table represents Jesus' work on the cross to save us from our brokenness and our sin and to transform our lives by giving us a new righteousness that's not our own. And through this relationship with him, to see ourselves entering into that new life that he gives us by grace. Um, so let's worship as we, uh, let's, let's pray as we enter into the table. Father, we just give you thanks for this incredible invitation to life and joy and celebration. We ask that you would make us those that would respond quickly and regularly to you. Help us with uh, perhaps um, new ways of experiencing that in the coming week. Lord, help us to respond and to not resist, but to um, respond now as we're hearing your call. Lord, we give you this and grace and uh, pray in Jesus' name. Amen.